Okay, I'm just going to jump in this morning. Um, we're, I'm going to put out there, we, um, we are not departing from the series on anointing, um, although it may feel like it. So we're just kind of, you know, Lent started, um, I believe, Wednesday seven, on the 17th. I have that right, and y'all know me well enough to know I'm not. I don't do a great job as a teacher. It's not. It's not really in my mainstream to be like to follow the liturgical calendar very strictly. <laughs> so, but we're going to look at. Um, uh, we're we're going to kind of join in to this Lent. I would like to say I planned it because of Lent. That's that's not how it happened. I really just believe this was leading of the Spirit. Um, I think if there's any fault, I'm at least just going to say of my own. I'm tempted to say maybe the church out there in this country, but at least I'll take it on myself. If there's any fault in the teaching, I think it's that we don't teach um, about the cross of Jesus very much, about the cross. And, um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I... um, We're going to read about why we should talk about the cross far more than we do. And um, that conviction is that I've had this week is, is I'm going to do that this morning. But, you know, sometimes um, it is the cross that, that even just the icon, even just the symbol that God has provided all around us um, will overwhelm me in moments. Anybody else? I mean, I can be driving down the road sometimes and see the telephone poles, and I'll think, there's 500 miles of crosses. And I'll just start to dwell on the cross and, and his love will begin to overwhelm me. The other day, um, the way it started this time, I was sitting in, my, um, in, in the chairs we have there in our bedroom and I'm looking at um, the six-panel door. And I'm like, yeah? I'm like, was that deliberate? Because I never really saw it that way before. But all of a sudden, like in neon lights... This, this full height cross comes off, pops off the door at me, and I'm staring at this cross. I'm like, I've looked at that door ever since the day we've moved in this house, and I've never seen the six-panel door as an icon of Jesus' love. Are you following me? And then I'm finding myself going, I need to pray. I'm, I'm falling into the chair going, I need to just stop the busyness and sit here and soak in the love for a minute. Do you take moments to soak in the love? Um, as we were worshiping, um, I took notes on my notepad. Um, you know, it had to start with, we're going to talk about the cross. It had to start with love first, with his cross, because the scriptures talk about your cross, doesn't it? Um, now, what we're going to do this morning, what's on my heart, is I think that um, we have more misconception about your cross, or my cross, as opposed to Jesus' cross. You know that, that they're not the same. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. Well, I want to leave here crystal clear today. Your cross is not Jesus' cross. Now it's probably yeah. So now it's probably interesting for some of you to hear me saying that because um, what do I all the time? I'm going. Your ministry is Jesus's ministry. Your anointing. It's not some other anointing out there. We've been talking about that for how long? For weeks and weeks. Your anointing is Jesus's anointing. 
That this morning I'm going to tell you your cross is not his cross. It's your cross. And it's so critical that we understand that and we look at that. How many of you are thankful that your cross is not his cross? <laughs> right? Okay? And so it's very critical to understand what was his cross, what is your cross. And, and this is, I'm just going to put this out there. In this series of anointing, and maybe this is all I'm going to say about anointing this morning, um, your, the cross his cross, and the acceptance of your cross is prerequisite. It's the doorway to your anointing. In fact, it's everything we've been talking about, and that's why it's probably a crime I haven't mentioned, I haven't taught at all about the cross. And what am I on, um, what number am I on back there, tech team, do we know? Ten. This is the tenth in the anointing series. <laughs> we'll move on to another series someday, I promise. <laughs> you want me to stay right here? All right, so let's talk about the cross. Go to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1 and verse 18. Father, we ask a blessing on this time. I ask that you'd open our hearts, that you'd give us revelation of your goodness in the cross and that you would, you would reveal to us um, a clarity from the courts of heaven on our cross so that this is, this is a life that we can enter into. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So starting in verse 18 there. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, I got I to stop. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of quick things before we move, okay? Um, it says, to us who are being saved. Do you notice that? How many of you are saved? Yeah. <laughs> Good. I think that was everybody. I should have really noticed so we could really pick on somebody this morning. Oh, you're not? Well, get up here. Let's get you saved. <laughs> right? <clears throat> How many of you are being saved? Yeah, isn't that peculiar? You know, um, in, in, the, in the Hebrew culture, um, they, they really had no such thing as, as a finality. None of their words really had finality. It, the Salvation to them was not a one-moment thing that you did. Salvation was a journey. They only understood. In fact, their language only equipped them to use words that had journey as part of the understanding of the way they thought. It's a salvation journey, which is something we're going to talk about. Before we really start talking about your cross or even his cross, we're going to talk about the message of the cross. Because did you notice what this scripture says? It, it doesn't say the cross. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but what is it to those who are being saved? The power of God. Isn't that something? And that's, why, that's how I got so convicted, partly in terms of like, wow, we need to talk about the cross. It is the power of God for those who are being saved, for those who are on a salvation or sanctification journey somewhere in the movement of God. The cross, the message of the cross is the power of God. We can't emphasize that enough. Doesn't that make you want to go, what's the message of the cross? Now, I think... Um, 
every one of us in this building knows something about, has some understanding of, the, of what the message of the cross is, okay? Or you wouldn't be sitting here. Or you wouldn't be raising your hand when I say, are you saved? Are you being saved? You know something. But I think we have more misconceptions about the message of the cross than we think rightly, okay? And so let's keep reading. It says, um, uh, I'm going to read again. It says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise... What can that possibly be? It must be talking about worldly wisdom, right? Because he's not in the business of destroying kingdom wisdom, the wisdom of God. And it says, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Okay? This is why the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. But to you, it's the power of God. Power of God for what? I'm glad you asked. We're going there. Um, verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. You see, that's worldly wisdom. Through wisdom, they didn't have a chance to know God. It pleased God through foolishness of the message. What message? The message of the cross. So keep the context. It says, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now let's talk about foolishness. How can foolishness be, be truth? Okay, so I'm sitting there thinking and I'm thinking, well, it's kind of like marriage. Okay, I am foolishly in love with my amazing wife. And believe me, that's, that's literal. Many of the things that I do that I wouldn't otherwise do are decisions that I make that would, to my normal wisdom, my normal um, sanity, <laughs> would never be things that I would do. But the love is true, okay? So there is a, there is a foolishness in this kind of love in the message of the cross. Uh, marriage is the only thing I could come up with. I, I actually, I'm not going to share them with you, but I found, <laughs> at least I don't think, uh, but I found myself <laughs> going through stories and stories in my own head, thinking about the various things that are wild foolishness because of this crazy love. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. I think I'm still okay. I think I can still <laughs> go home in peace. Um, verse 22. Now listen to this. We're talking about the foolishness of the message of the cross. Verse 22. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we, Paul speaking about himself here, we preach Christ crucified. In other words, all he preaches is the message of the cross. Why does it say this? Why does it split out? Jews, in other words, um, both Jews and Greeks are kind of in trouble or off track, according to this, right? As Paul is writing here. Okay, but for what reasons? I think it's important we understand this because we fall into the same errors. You know that. It says, for Jews request a sign. What is that? Um, because they, these are people who know the one God, okay? But... Um, be, but two things. One is they, they are expecting God to give them an instantaneous fulfillment of all things. They're waiting for a Messiah to, to show up, and, and in, a worldly, in a world sense. At the time, they're looking for overthrow of Rome, right? I mean, after Jesus' resurrection, 
They're, they're, still, um, they're still asking Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom now? This is when he must, Jesus must have hit himself in the head and went, oh. <laughs> After all this time with you, that had to be the moment where he was most like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I already did that. You're not tracking. I already restored the kingdom. And we're going to talk about that. Now, what is it with the Greeks? You see, Greeks were people who chose... Greeks are really the representation of the world in general at the time of these writings, okay? And these are people who choose their gods. They're gods of convenience. It's the God who works for me right now. In fact, I can have more than one, okay? I could have the money and power, and those can be my gods. I might even give it a name and worship, <laughs> um, there's worship there whether you know it or not. Well, that's the Greeks. And what did the Greeks do? They seek after their own wisdom. You see, in other words, what their own God, in other words, what works for me to preserve this physical the way I like it. The Greeks say, I am God, or I select my own God. But we, what? Preach Christ. The foolishness of the message of the cross, right? Which is what for those who are being saved, the power of God. It is the power of God to you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and let me say this. Um, what's the difference between the cross and the message of the cross? Before we move on, we've got to do this. The cross is something, right? It, it's, it's an event. It's a finished work. It's something Jesus actually did. It's something. What is the message of the cross? I like it all. I like it all because everything that every one of you said um, screams that the message of the cross is something personal. The message of the cross is not something just that happened. The message of the cross is something that continues to speak into my salvation journey. Before we're done this morning, we're going to read the scriptures about take up your cross. And once it say take up your cross daily, well, how does that make sense with a finished work that happened at his cross. <laughs> it's because it's the message of the cross that continues to work itself out in a journey of those, who, those of us who are moving toward Christ, those of us who are moving into him, right? The message of the cross is something that is continuing, never ceasing to transform as we yield to the message of the cross. I bet you're wondering how to yield to the message of the cross. I might tell you this week. It might be next week. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know this stuff, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Go to Matthew 16. Before, I think this is going to be two-part. I don't remember if I said that already. So um, I've just given my... Instead of keeping you here until 5 o'clock tonight, we're going to probably split this into two. Um, as we get started, I feel like it's critical to um, to look at how how we naturally react to the message of the cross. Okay, so read with me Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Um, I feel like I need to say this. Just, um, this is for somebody. 
Notice that Jesus has a turning point here. He has a moment where he was in one season and he turned to another one. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I think that's for somebody. Verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. He says. But he turned and said to Peter, this is Jesus speaking, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. That foolishness we talked about, foolishness to this world, the things of God. See, it's an upside-down kingdom. We've got to start thinking upside-down. But the things of men. He's thinking of worldly things, okay? But mostly what I want to focus on here is I think Peter's reaction is every one of our reaction. And I even mean you today and tomorrow when Jesus is pressing in the message of the cross, which is the power of God for you. Are you tracking? What's our reaction? Our, our initial reaction, the flesh of our old man, <laughs> our inclination from everything this world taught us teaches us to, um, to, to have a negative reaction to the cross and its message. I think we, we actually, I watch it all the time, I catch myself doing it, okay? We expend a lot of energy avoiding and helping others avoid the message of the cross, especially in, in our culture, even in our Christian culture, okay? We're, we're, not, a, we're not exactly a cross-focused culture, which is unfortunate because it's the power of God for those who are being saved. What are we giving up? <laughs> the power of God. The power of God for what? We're going to go there. Um, so, you know, and I observe all the time on myself, on you guys, as I interact in this world, where, where we actually make effort to assist others in avoiding the message of the cross. And, and we're thinking that it's a service. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Now watch this. Go to, um, go to Matthew 16. Oh, actually, we're already there. In fact, we're continuing in verse 24. I have it split in my notes. Um, and what I want to tell you is what we just read, this interaction between Peter and Jesus. Now, this comes next. Do you know what comes right after what I'm about to read immediately? If you're looking in your Bible, you see it. Just next comes the transfiguration. In other words, perhaps the greatest re re uh, revelation of this reward. Now, let me just pause for a minute before I even read here. You know, I believe it's Hebrews 12, chapter 12, um, where um, it's... It speaks of Jesus headed to his cross, okay? And let me see if I can quote here. Um, I'm not very good at this from memory most of the time, but I believe it says, he endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. Did I get that, scholars? Okay. <clears throat> Notice that reward is not bad before we move on. Why did Jesus endure the cross? for the joy set before him. Do you know there's nothing wrong with reward? You know where we get the idea that there's something wrong with living for reward is when we have the wrong conception of what God wants to give us. 
like when we're, when we're seeking for the rewards that we want rather than what God wants to give us in God's timing, well, that is very twisted and dark and that'll really screw up a life, <laughs> that capital L life that Jesus wants to give, right? And now we're starting to move to our cross, but it's okay to stop and notice that Jesus scorned the shame of the cross. Anybody else scorn shame? I hate shame. <clears throat> Scorning the shame, but he did it for the joy set before him. There is absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, it is part of God's design that you are aware that he, here's a scripture coming into my mind. He is a rewarder of those who believe that he is and, and a rewarder of those who seek him. Well, that, that's his words in the inspired, inerrant word of God. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. Reward is part of his design, even in Jesus' actions, in his ministry, facing his cross. Okay, let me get back on track here. Matthew 16, 24. Here it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, you desire to come after him? Okay. Then let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want you to notice it didn't say take up my cross. <laughs> so important to, to see that. Um, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, that's not a rhetorical question. That's a real question. That's something that deserves like meditation time and think about. Um, let's do this. No, we're not going to do that yet. Let's keep reading. Verse 27, For the Son of Man will come in, glory, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward, there it is again, each according to his works. You see, the cross is the power of God unto the good thing, unto, into the good things God's planned for you. The rewards, because he's a father who gives good gifts. But um, So hold that. What did that just tell us? If you're going to follow him, there's, there's denial of self. We're going to talk about that because that's one of the most misconceived things in the kingdom of God. And taking up your cross, the other most misconceived thing in the kingdom of God. And why would that be? I'm going to contend that it is part of the warfare, part of the deception and the darkness. If, if the cross is the power of God <laughs> for those who are being saved, it would become the, the biggest necessity for the enemy to attack and twist. Amen? I mean, the, nothing would terrify him more than you having an accurate understanding and take, being able to deny, not in a twisted way, but in, in, the, in the, the way of truth to deny yourself and take up your cross. You are releasing the power of God unto your saving journey, your transforming journey. And I don't know about you, but I am brutally aware how much more transformation I need. <laughs> I need the power of God. I cannot afford to have a misconception of his cross or mine. Amen. Luke, um, go to Luke 14, 
25 now. Now, I want you to hold that. Um, deny self, take up cross if you're following him, and we're going to begin to contrast this. Right now, we're going to read something that um, really the same, the same scripture in the Gospel of Luke, and it's, it's going to make the same point but in a different way. These are kind of harsh, aren't they? To follow Jesus, um, it has an edge to it, huh? Yeah. Um, so verse 25, now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross, here's talking about bearing your cross, that's a lowercase s. That's not Jesus' cross. Whoever does not bear your own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm not going to pick that apart because I, I want to contrast it with John 10, verse 7. John 10, 7. Here, now, now watch this. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, somebody read this this morning. Was this during the service, the door to the sheep, or prayer before? Prayer before. Then Jesus said to the, them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's a promise. And will go in and out and find pasture. Will have everything you need, all good things from the hands of the Father. The thief does not... Now, here's the contrast. Watch this. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen? Okay, but now here's the thing. We just read scriptures that say you got to deny yourself. you got to take up your cross. you got to hate your family. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into teaching on that. Just, just um, yeah, no, let's leave that alone. I'm going to stay on track. you got to bear your cross. And Jesus states the purpose for his coming that you may not just have life, but he wants you to have it abundantly, like picture squirting. <laughs> squirting life. Rivers of living water. Okay? How does that, how do these, doesn't it look contrary to one another? How do these two messages sit side by side? If the cross is the power of God unto those who are being saved, and, and you have to take up, he's got one, and you've got to take up yours, and he came for abundant life, how does that work? I don't know, denying myself. Boy, that doesn't sound like abundant life. Now read this. Go to Galatians 5. I know we're doing the hot fingers thing. Galatians 5 this morning. <clears throat> now we're going somewhere. We're almost through the warm-up. <laughs> this says, Stand fast, therefore, in liberty and freedom. It's... It's command language. It's commanding you to stand firm in the freedom you've been given. Now, before I even read on, I just want to go right here. Here's, here's more contrast, right? Deny yourself, 
take up your cross, bear your cross, and stand fast in your freedom? One scripture, I'm going to keep reading, so keep your finger there, but one scripture tells you to deny yourself, and another one says, don't give up your freedom for nothing. (laughs) Are you tracking? For nobody, for no reason, don't give up your freedom. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, It's always a little weird to read I, Paul, like it's kind of like I wrote this. (laughs) I didn't write this. Um, I agree with it, though. (laughs) Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become crucified, Christ, uh, uh, circumcised, I'm sorry, don't become crucified. (laughs) He already did it for you. Um, If you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. If you have become estranged from Christ, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble reading. Verse 4 again. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Ouch. Like, wow. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope for the reward of righteousness by faith. Now, now, what do we do here? How did, this is what I've got to say. Um, one says don't give up your freedom for anything. The other one says just completely deny yourself. Okay, and we've got to make sense. How do we interpret this rightly? Um, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you in Jesus' words, some this morning and far more next week. Jesus is always pressing us toward an inward journey. Okay, are you following me? Are you looking for your cross? In fact, I think I just need to, to jump ahead here. I'm sensing this. We're going to do this. <laughs> Way ahead. That's okay. Okay. It's time to do this. Jesus is always pressing us inward. By the time we're finished next week, we're going to see these examples of Jesus confronting people every time they're outward or external focused. Okay, especially I can at least speak for this culture that I know. Okay, I live in a bubble world and I admit it. (laughs) In this world that we live in, we are very externally focused. And let me tell you something. We're fooling ourselves if we don't think it crept into the church as well. We have a horrible habit of looking externally. Okay, show me the spreadsheet. (laughs) Um, how are we going to structure this? What program are we going to design? Are you following me? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I'm just saying, just please notice that the master rabbi who is discipling us, every time he ever found someone that was looking external, he basically rebuked them. (laughs) And he said, and we're going to look at why this morning. In fact, I'm going to leave that to conclude with, I want to leave with a crystal clear understanding that Jesus, the being saved part and the power of the cross is an inward journey. It has nothing to do with your behaviors. So let's do this. If we're going to talk about the cross, um, we need to know um, your cross. Actually, let me clarify. If we're going to talk about your cross that you have to take up and bear if you're going to follow him, then let's get clear about what it's not. Okay, now let's start with the obvious one. It's not Jesus's cross. 
Okay, why is that? What was Jesus's cross? What did he do? He saved the world. <laughs> he spilled his blood to save every sinful heart that's ever been born. He took the shame and the curse onto the tree and bled out for, for every, to, to cover everyone. Do you know that the word of God is clear? It's even to cover those who don't accept it. He paid the price for everyone, even those who don't accept it. Now, that's a cross. Do you know that your cross is not to die for the sins of the world? <laughs> Thank God, right? Ooh, does that make you just want to praise Jesus right now? <laughs> I mean, really. Um, oh, and, uh, so I was so tempted. No, okay, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so your cross is not Jesus' cross. <clears throat> and, and I want to say, you know, sometimes we err by thinking that it is, especially those of us who are really passionate about ministry. I know some of us are growing into the, the ministry passion, the fulfillment of our true identity. Others of us are very deeply engaged in ministry. But um, either way, we fall into this all the time. We think we go around sometimes thinking that it is within in us. And I know we're thinking by the power of the Holy Spirit and everything, but we're going to save everybody. And you know, Jesus didn't even do that. <laughs> he walked through crowds of people that needed healing and salvation to walk up to the one that the Father was healing today, even Jesus, even the one who did bleed out on the cross for the sins of the world. Okay? Okay, so it's, I'm, I'm going to move on. So yours is not Jesus's. You know what else it is? Your cross is not a cross of ministry. And I, I think that that is probably, I might be wrong, but probably the most common misconception when we think about our cross. Oh, take up your cross and serve Jesus in ministry. You work yourself to the bone in ministry. I've, I'm carrying my cross, <laughs> right? I'm telling you, this is what we do. This is, I, I include myself. I fall into this pit often enough. Jesus is growing me up into a big boy, so I'm getting better. But um, your cross is not, a, is not a cross of working yourself in ministry. Why do we have to say that? Why is that so important? Do you know that your ministry is the reward? As soon as you think you're suffering for your ministry, you've got it wrong. <laughs> you are called into the joy of participating in the power of God. You're called into the joy of a high calling. You know, your ministry is the reward of bearing your cross. It's not the cross itself. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with the word of God. It never will. It'll never be the truth. As soon as you find yourself really worn out to where ministry no longer has the joy of the Holy Spirit in, in it for you, do you know what that means? It probably means a couple of things. I'm just going to throw out one. You've hung out too long. Jesus walked on in something that might have been fruitful before. It may have absolutely been the calling of the season, and you're still trying to walk in it, and Jesus is about a mile over here. 
<laughs> it's anytime ministry begins, you're the, I mean the ministry of your life, okay? I don't care what you do. We all are representative of the government of God in this place. And anytime we begin to walk all downtrodden and suffering through our ministry, you're, you're off course because it is joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying there aren't challenges in ministry. I'm just saying when you're walking in step with Jesus, the joy matches the challenges. He does not fail to reward the heart of the one who seeks him and walks in step with him. When it's only downtrodden, we start to go, well, I'm bearing my cross. We're thinking wrongly. Because the cross, taking up your cross, has nothing to do with your call for, for ministry. The joy and the privilege and the worship of joining with him in ministry is not your cross. You're wondering what your cross is, aren't you? I'm going to tell you in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Do you know that your cross is not accepting your suffering with your head held low? <laughs> and I mean, just I'm not talking about ministry suffering now. I'm just talking about suffering. You know, he promised this place is full of suffering. He promised his presence is in it with us. It is absolutely right for you to, to draw close to Jesus in every drop of suffering this life offers because he promises to bring all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? That's absolutely right and good, but do you know that's not your cross? That's just the state of the reality of a fallen world. Do you know that the, the biggest, um, I'm going to avoid saying it that way. How do I say this? Um, Ah, I see. Just the unsaved as well as the saved have cupfuls of suffering in this disgusting place where, where the bride of Christ is coming into the fulfillment of all the, all the good things God's promised. It's, it's our, just plain our reality during this age. We're in a warfare and don't forget it. And that's not your cross. That's not what you take up. That's not what you're called to bear. You're called to fight... Fight like crazy to get out of your suffering, <laughs> okay? It's insanity to want to suffer. Not even Jesus wanted to suffer. Even in his acceptance of his cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he never went, oh, you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't going, oh, Father, I thank you so much that I'm going to suffer more than any other human being ever has or ever will <laughs> in the next several hours. That's not what he was doing. He was, he was taking up his cross. He was bearing it in intimacy with his father. Okay? So that's not your cross. I'm going to give you one more. Your cross is not laboring in your strength to get your behaviors up to the standard. <laughs> I'm glad people are laughing right now. Maybe that's the most common one. Maybe that's even more common than thinking your cro my cross is my ministry. <laughs> it's like I don't know what well I don't want to go back to that one um, laboring in your strength to get your behavior up to the standard it is not that first of all do you know that that is a foolish activity <laughs> but the real acceptance of your cross you know you can't do it right that's why it's so foolish that's the reason you, you cannot succeed in getting your behavior up to like what is it? The moral standard that makes you available as an anointed one 
for the kingdom of God. <laughs> okay? Um, how many have tried? <laughs> There's some who haven't, or you're not participating with your hand. <laughs> I want to interview you later and find out. <clears throat> okay, so let's talk. What is your cross? <clears throat> your cross is the daily inward journey, okay? It has nothing to do with outward, and we're going to talk about this far more next week. But just for this week, it's an, it's an inward journey where you come circumcised. Maybe I have to go back and read another verse I skipped, but you come circumcised. You come unveiled to Jesus' cross, okay? What is your cross what you have to take up, deny self, and we're going to need to talk about that, deny self and take up your cross is an inward taking up of the old man and taking it to Jesus' cross, to the only cross that heals, empowers, redeems, set free, and sets you on the course of a child of God that powerfully carries the glory of God. Uh, if you're going to follow him, what you have to do, you take up your cross. What's your cross? Your cross, actually need to read this, is yielding in the inward parts to the one who can transform. That's your cross. To redeem, heal, empower. By his stripes, you're healed. That's his cross. You know, it's not by your stripes that anyone is ever healed. <laughs> we, we don't take people to our cross. <laughs> you have one that you have to take up daily, but we take people to Jesus' cross. Okay? And let me tell you, I deal with you guys all the time, so I know that you all have some more healing to do. <laughs> um, I'm just putting it out there. Um, what, do you know, let's teach about this just for a second. What do you have to offer to God? Wonderful things? Beautiful offerings in, in jeweled vessels? No, you guys are a mess, and that's what you have to offer to God. I'm serious. You might even be a bigger mess than I am. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just saying what the offering that we bring to God is our cross. And our cross is our mess. <laughs> it's my unhealed heart that makes it so that I can't love anybody well. <laughs> it's my personal agenda that's part of my old flesh that makes me interpret everything wrongly and run down every road of deception that's offered me. Okay, that's, that's, that's the mess. The offering that we have to give to God is our mess. It is not our good stuff. You're always trying to offer, oh Lord. Do you know what, what we normally think we have to offer is the fruit God produced through us. <laughs> God, God blesses us because, because, let me tell you why God bless In some manner, we have taken up our cross in that inward journey in such a way. I'm not saying in totality, okay? <laughs> I, can, I know that that's true because I know you and you're a mess. Um, we've taken up our cross to some extent and we've brought that to his cross and he says, I can bless that. 
and there is production of fruit. There is glorifying of God. You see, that's how it works. Why? Because the cross is, the message of the cross is the power of God for those who are being saved. I don't care what growth it is of the Christian life that you're interested in or the ones that you're not interested in that he's interested in and he loves you enough so he's going to get you there even though you're not interested in it. (laughs) I don't care what growth that is. I don't care what revelation, what next step in your journey into him, toward him, to be like him. I don't care what it is. Every single one of them will always be marked by the power of God, which is through the message of the cross. In other words, let me make that practical. Every single time you take a step as a child of God, deeper, higher, more into the end, a greater vessel for anointing, greater carry of the glory of God, every step you take, it will always be initiated, transformed by, and marked by the power of the cross, which was a movement within you where you came uncircumcised with your mess. And he'll go, boy, I can take that and give it back more beautiful. Every time. It's just, that's the only way it works. The power of God into this place is, is first of all, the message, the message of the cross. And the way we join into his death, I could have read so many scriptures. I just, <laughs> I just, we won't. But the way we join into his death, just like in baptism, okay, is by, is the inward journey of taking our cross. Your cross will never be your ministry. It will never be trying hard enough. Um, it will never be, it'll never be his cross. <laughs> and it'll never be, oh, I'm accepting my suffering. I'll just hang my head and wait until Jesus comes back. It'll never be those things. Your cross is taking your mess, is going into an inward journey where you're willing to look. It's the most painful thing you'll probably ever do, okay? And as I said before, we expend a lot of energy avoiding our cross. And even more grieving is we expend a lot of energy trying to assist others we do it, I'm telling you, in avoiding their cross. And we're stealing from ourselves and from others the power of God for them. Does that make sense? It's so important we understand these things rightly. Why, you know, I'm just, I'm going to start concluding here, but um, why is it that Jesus was always trying to incite the inward movement, to change our focus from out here to in here. Do you know the reason? Nothing else works, say again? Okay, without that inward journey? It's, who said it? Yeah, <laughs> okay, go to Luke 17. I'm going to show you, and this, this really, this may be our concluding point here. Then we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do before we break. Luke 17, a scripture, 1720. A 
a scripture you've all heard before. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, Jesus is asked this question. When, the, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Let me tell you something. There's only one way to interpret before I read on. It doesn't come with like physical eye interpretation. That's proven out by the words we read next. I'm going to say, it does come with what we talked about either last week or the week before, spiritual seeing. Lord, open my eyes that I can see, open my ears that I can hear. That is how the kingdom of God comes. Okay, but that's obviously, this is obviously talking about Jesus's continuous push that you don't look out here. Where's the evidence? It says, um, nor will they say, see here, like they identified the kingdom, or see, no, there it is, see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now listen, Jesus only operates in his kingdom. <laughs> he, um, what he does is expand his kingdom. He doesn't work outside of the kingdom. He, he, he operates his government through, through the Holy Spirit, through his people in his kingdom. He expands the kingdom, okay? And here he's saying the kingdom of God is within. That's why, let me, let me just give you a key here. Anytime you want to interpret this rightly, and anytime you think he's talking about something out here, try again. Ask, <laughs> ask the Holy Spirit for a breakthrough, Okay, because Jesus is always pressing to the inward because the kingdom is here. <laughs> so the cross that you bear is, just notice everything I said your cross is not, were things that are out here. <laughs> your ministry activities, your behaviors before the eyes of other people, how well you're performing at the moral life. You got it? Let's give some examples here. Um, actually, I, feel, I sense this. Um, do you know, for example, the Beatitudes, I always call it the constitution of the kingdom. That's just how I think about it. It's, it's this upside-down kingdom, you know, the constitution. What are your rights? You have the right to be meek. You have the right to be poor in spirit. <laughs> you got it? If you want all the blessing of the kingdom, this, this is how it works, okay? It's, it's upside down. Every one of those beatitudes is toward an inward kingdom that grants you everything God is trying to freely give. That's your cross. Your cross is here, is an uncircumcised inward journey. I mean, circumcised inward journey. How about, here's another one. How many times did Jesus say, um, you've heard it said. What's he doing? He's saying, you've heard it said, do not murder. But you know, murder is outward. He's not even worried about that part. That's just the fruit of, of something that's far more wrong. <laughs> By the time you're murdering somebody, you've had issues before that moment. Okay, are you following me? <laughs> and those issues are inward. He says, you've heard it said, do not murder. I say, don't be angry. In other words, you've been a murderer all your life. That's what I want to deal with. The taking up your cross is taking into the inward journey. He says, um, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Well, by the time you're doing that, you've had some issues before this moment. Okay, the, and he says, I tell you, don't lust. That's, lust is here. Okay, the fruit of it, that's out here. You know, the fruit of it is just like a dashboard. You get that? Like, I don't know, anytime, like, um, 
Mm, I'm going to avoid that story. <laughs> um, let's just tell it generally. You're driving down the road, and, and uh, the check engine comes on. You keep driving anyway. You're thinking, well, as soon as I get where I'm going, I'll have it checked out. <laughs> that's, that's a bad thing. I think sometimes right, that doesn't work out well. Sometimes I think we live that way. You see, taking up our cross is not being that kind of a driver. You got it? Taking up the cross is doing that inward journey, taking our mess to his cross daily so that lust doesn't turn into adultery and anger doesn't turn into murder. See? And now we're becoming a vessel for his anointing. I knew I could work that in there. (laughs) Now we're becoming a vessel where the Holy Spirit is free because we're associated with his death. You see, how do you, how do you fulfill the law? Do you know? Can you fulfill the law? No, come on. I'm, it's a trick question. Try again. Can you fulfill? You better have fulfilled the law. Only through the blood of Christ. Only through his cross. Our cross is taking our mess to his cross. Otherwise, you can't even stand before the throne of grace. Do you know you sit there this morning with the law fulfilled, a little aura of fulfilled law right here and one right here? That's how this works. Thank you, Jesus. Does that make you want to praise? He fulfilled the law. You you are fulfilled under the blood of Christ in the law. But let me tell you something. You step outside of that. I'm just going to put this out there. In In this being saved journey, the way we're under that blood covering is by taking our cross, which is an inward journey that we avoid far too much of the time. Why is this bad behavior going on? Does the behavior mean anything? Why is this bad behavior happening? It's the dashboard light. It's just, wow, I must not be taking up my cross. (laughs) See, because he does have healing. He does have redemption. He does have freedom. And he's not withholding from you. He's just waiting for you to bear your cross in the inward journey. Amen? So as we head towards Easter, you know, let's just start thinking rightly. I want to tell you where we're going next week, and then we're just going to ask the Lord what he wants to do here, okay? Um, This time I think it's important because I do feel like I'm halfway through a message at this moment. So it's going to riddle me all week. I'm sure it's going to bother you like crazy all week long too. (laughs) Is it? Who said that? Where is that? Um, Next week, this is what we're going to do, I think, unless the Lord rearranges it. Um, We're going to talk about how you take up your cross. If it is the power of God for those who are being saved, the message of the cross, then um, how really should be practical. It really should be something that we can do. Amen? And we're going to talk about what are the barriers to taking up your cross. Do you know the Word of God has a lot to say about it? What keeps you from bearing your cross? How many of you sit there this morning and you go, I want to take up my cross? I'm serious. You, you have, this causes a hunger in you where you're like, I believe the promises of God. I believe it is the power of God for me. And say, so I want that. 
How many of you sit there today and you're just like, yes, that's what I, I want my cross. I just like Jesus. I, w- I want to go faithfully. Okay, I'm not, I get it. I, I know why you didn't like shoot your hand up. <laughs> I understand. It's, it's intelligent not to want to suffer. Okay, I get it. Um, so we need to know what the barriers are. What, how does the warfare work against you taking up your cross? We should know that. And we're going to look at um, what is the real message of the cross in the practical. What did Jesus have to say about it and that type of thing? Does that sound good? Okay. This morning, um, actually, I don't know. Um, give us the atmosphere of heaven here, would you, Blake? <laughs> Just take some deep breaths and uh, invite the Holy Spirit. Join me in a moment to just listen for him. I thank you, Jesus, that you loved us first. I thank you, Jesus, that your cross came first. That there, there is no way that we could ever even enter in. There's no way that we would even desire to have the slightest desire to take up and bear our cross. If it wasn't for that extravagant love of you facing yours first. we thank you for the spilled blood that covers and we thank you for um, the invitation to partake in the power of God So, Lord, uh, we want to um, offer you a question, Holy Spirit, and we invite you to speak to us each right now in, in the kingdom. In your kingdom inside us, we invite you to speak through sense or picture or word, visions, however you want to speak to us individually. And we ask you, Lord, um, show us one piece of our mess that uh, we're still hanging on to, where you're asking us to take up our cross, (laughs) to to bear it, to come transparent 
unveiled, circumcised. Show us a piece of our mess, Lord. So Jesus, we offer you this as a sweet fragrance, our mess. You might have a picture of holding it in your hands and holding it out to him. I give you this, Jesus. I offer it to your cross. I ask for you to cover it. Transform. Transform me as I let you have this, Jesus. If you haven't already, and Jesus is right there for you, pay great attention to how he responds to you here at his cross. Thank you, Jesus. And in the authority of the name of Jesus, I want to seal the work of the Holy Spirit that just happened in this place. I declare protection over it. The enemy shall not touch any seed that's just been planted, any movement of the heart, any transformation that's just been given will grow into all the fruit of the kingdom that you have it planned for, Jesus. It will be unhindered, by the, by the darkness, it will be showered with light in the name of Jesus, and I bless in the name of Jesus what the Lord has just done. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I also pray that today and throughout this week, you will drive everyone crazy with all the crosses 
that are all over the landscape and all inside our houses. I ask, Lord, that everywhere they look, they will see your cross and be reminded of your love and be reaching inside, doing that inward journey, reaching inside for just one more thing. Lord, I ask that you will inspire through your Holy Spirit that every time they see one of these crosses, they're going to reach in and they're going to grab one more piece of their mess and with great joy and sadness all mixed together, they're going to bring it to your cross and be transformed and be set free from one thing after another thing after another thing. In the name of Jesus, we are asking for your power, God, over those who are being saved. And I declare that this is going to happen this week during this time of Lent. As we lead to, to Resurrection Sunday, Lord, I ask that you would drive us wild with your cross the, the icons of your crosses all over this place, reminding us of who you are, Jesus. Amen.